Welcome to Exporter International, a podcast specifically focused on Slovak trade matters, featuring international experts, ambassadors, and industry leaders. Presented by Zulf Hayek Khan. I would like to extend a very warm welcome to His Excellency Roman Vasilenko, Ambassador Extraordinary and Plenipotentiary of the Republic of Kazakhstan to the Slovak Republic on our ongoing series of Export Air International. Dear Mr. Ambassador, welcome and thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Zulf, for having me and uh, thank you for launching this uh, podcast series. Uh, they are very helpful to learn about Slovakia, about uh, Slovakia's relations with other countries. And uh, I am not really used to being called Ambassador Extraordinary and Plenipotentiary, so Roman will do. Okay, thank you. It is a bit of a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, it's quite quite a long title to, to get to grips with, but thank you very much. I'll I'll stick with Mr. Ambassador, otherwise okay. otherwise the boss might get, me, uh, might get angry with okay. me. Anyway, if I start at the beginning, as I always do, I see you were appointed here in Slovakia in 2019 as the first actual full-time resident Kazakh ambassador to Slovakia and have been here since really the pandemic hit. Uh, what was the impact, would you say, of that on the Kazakh-Slovak bilateral relations and trade? Uh, indeed, I came here in January 2020 and in a few months the pandemics began, the um, lockdowns uh, began and it really impacted our work because we really had to learn to work uh, basically online through the virtual world. Uh, but speaking of the bilateral trade, as it turns out, uh, it did not have a negative impact last year. In That's fact, right. it grew uh, perhaps even 70% last year. Wow. But it uh, grew from a low base uh, of uh, only $40 million. Uh, uh, and it had to be, it had already uh, a level of uh, $60 million in 2018. So it basically bounces uh, up and down. So that's uh, one of the problems we are jointly tackling with the uh, companies here, with the Ministry of Economy of Slovakia, with the Ministry of Integration and Trade of Kazakhstan, mm -hmm. to find new niches for uh, our bilateral trade, but also to boost the already existing uh, trade between our countries. Thank you. And you mentioned uh, we, we were lucky, we were very fortunate yesterday to be uh, at the Brazilian uh, embassy for, for a wonderful event. And it was, it was refreshing to see everybody enjoying each other's company in a tactile environment. And, and I hope very much that's the case that we get to engage with people of importance face to face. Do you think now the world is going to have to adopt this horrible term, a hybrid model? Are we going to have to divide both? Uh, well, I have. I, I think we will have to indeed adopt to this hybrid uh, model, whether we like it or not, um, uh, because uh, purely online communication, especially in the world of diplomacy, they do not work. Simply do not work. We've uh, all come to realize that um, uh, ours is a is a profession that requires uh, uh, handshakes, uh, mm -hmm. eye to eye contact. Uh, Cues and hues, which we, you, you can only give um, in an in a per interpersonal communication, and uh, Zoom conferences are no match for that. Absolutely, and I, I find also the mask masks quite a lot of emotion. And you mentioned cues there. Yeah. It's very difficult to gauge emotion when your face is covered. How do you read people? It's it's it's, it's diplomacy and general business. Uh, both of them, both of them concerned, can be very complicated. I hope. We maintain tactile relationships uh, as far as the professional world is concerned. Uh, now, 
Moving on, we'll talk a little bit about your CV and, and you're a, a very well-traveled man, as I've seen. Um, but maybe for our listeners, it'd be interesting to have some fun facts about Kazakhstan, just to make it less formal for a change. Things that people maybe don't even know about Kazakhstan. Now, I've done my research, but things that you think may be interesting that, that we might not know about Kazakhstan. Oh, you can get me started. Um, I hope so. <laughs> well, Kazakhstan is the ninth largest country in the world. Kazakhstan is the largest landlocked country in the world at that. Um, Kazakhstan is a country of more than 100 ethnic groups and 17 religions. Wow. Uh, Kazakhstan has been independent for only 30 years as an independent state, uh, but it's a country which has always been at the crossroads of civilizations. And uh, uh, that's why we have so many religious uh, religions, religions and religious groups in, in the country. Um, Kazakhstan... Um, has been also a place where the Soviet Union tested nuclear weapons, mm -hmm. which had a very uh, negative legacy in the eastern part of our country, but with, with which we are dealing now. Uh, Kazakhstan also relinquished the nuclear weapons, uh, which it inherited from the Soviet Union, and shut down the nuclear test, uh, which spurred the action to slow, to stop the testing, and eventually, which led to the introduction and signing of the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty in 1996. So Kazakhstan is, a, uh, in terms of population, is a country of eight, 19 million people. Yeah. Uh, we are now actually going through census, so we will soon know how many precisely we are. Um, it's a, a country with, as I said, ancient history, but a very interesting uh, recent past, and we hope uh, no less interesting future. Um, thank you very much. And one of the, the statistics that I found extraordinary was that over 20, 25% of people are under the age of 15 and 50% of the country is under the age of 30. And I don't know if that statistic has been verified, but it's a very, very young country in every sense of the word. Well, um, what can I say? Uh, people uh, like to uh, meet, to marry and to create other people, shall we say. So, and especially the boost was given uh, by the uh, relocation of the capital to what was then Astana, and now it's called Nur Sultan. Mm -hmm. It's a city which used to have only 300,000 uh, people uh, 23 years ago. Now it's a city of 1.2 million people. And it's not just because it sort of sucks up uh, people from the nearby uh, counties in regions, but also because young people come there yep. to, to establish families and to produce more, more young people. Well, I mean, I think, and as, as they would say in uh, The Lion King, it's the circle of life, yes, right? Indeed. So coming back to uh, Slovak-Kazakh relations, and since diplomatic relations started between the two countries, more than 25 international agreements have been signed between the two nations, which I guess is a remarkable achievement. But I'd like to focus on a couple, if I may. I think an MOU was signed last year in Bratislava in the field of tourism. Uh, the Ministry of Culture and Sports of the Republic of Kazakhstan and the Ministry of Transport and Construction of the Slovak Republic. Could you please elaborate a little bit of, on this agreement and, and what you hope to achieve there? Yes, and before I do that though, I would highlight that we, we have the fu fundamental agreements that facilitate bilateral communication, bilateral trade, and those are the Convention on the Avoidance of Double Taxation and the uh, Convention on the Mutual Protection of Investment, as well as the Agreement on the, inter on, on the Economic Cooperation. So these are three fundamental uh, 
pillars. Uh, uh, pillars. Uh, as far as this um, MOU on tourism is concerned, what we are seeking to achieve with that is to exchange experience uh, with Slovakia uh, on how to really develop tourism, uh, niche tourism or tourism in uh, recreational tourism. Uh, because we have uh, a lot of uh, opportunities to attract tourists. Mm -hmm. uh, Kazakhstan is uh, a landlocked country, as, as I said. It's a faraway country for many people in Europe or in, in, in the West generally. And so it's hard to reach a little bit. Uh, but uh, there are attractions which we need to really uh, present to the people. Um, and uh, we, we hope to really exchange experience with Slovakia. Slovakia is uh, perhaps... Uh, a, a best unknown secret, if you will, okay. uh, in the uh, in, in the international community. Uh, even in Kazakhstan, people know more about the resorts in the Czech Republic or in Slovenia. Okay, but not about Slovakia. So um, my job is also to help our Slovak, uh, my Slovak colleague in Kazakhstan, <laughs> uh, to attract Kazakh tourists to to Slovakia. Of course, vice versa would be best for us. But uh, I think the more people travel, the better. And hopefully, the pandemics will recede at some point soon, as people uh, get more vaccine, more people get vaccinated, and sure. uh, more or less normal travel resumes. So uh, that is the goal, exchange experience, uh, find some joint projects that we can implement in Kazakhstan or in Slovakia in the tourism industry and uh, see the numbers of those tourists go up. It's interesting you mentioned, uh, um, I, I, I did some research yesterday and I saw that there are quite a lot of optical co uh, companies investing, uh, Slovak companies that are starting up in, uh, in, in Kazakhstan and maybe medical tourism is an area that might be an opportunity both countries are very young. Both have bright futures. I think that's a really good uh, synergy that we could uh, we can draw on. Slovakia is still a very young country as well. Yeah, I like the way you put it. Uh, uh, really, Kazakhstan uh, gained independence just over one month ahead of Slovakia. So we are indeed not only very young, but we also face similar challenges. Mm -hmm. Both are post-socialist countries uh, that still face some challenges of this era uh, gone past uh, but still it's it's not that far away um moses if you recall uh well, i wasn't took, around then took, uh, <laughs> yes uh, but he took his people for into the desert for 40 years so that they forgot about the the slavery um only 30 years have passed since uh, we both came out of the uh, code of socialism, if you will, Absolutely. and uh, it's still a, a, a work in progress, uh, both in Slovakia and in Kazakhstan, in terms of economic reforms, in terms of political reforms. So we learn from each other, frankly, and my, my job here is very uh, interesting in that sense as well, that uh, I report back to Kazakhstan on some of the things Slovakia does, uh, offering this, um, whatever Slovakia is doing in various areas as, as an example for what we can do. For example, in regulating uh, green um, energy. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, one thing, and, and feel free, you can decline to answer this question, but you, you mentioned the, the specter of the past, this looming specter of the past, which is socialism. And we can say, we can say Russia here. Um, do you feel that that's had a, a negative impact? And do you feel now that there's more of a pro-Western approach um, for both nations? Uh, well, I would say a more pro-progress uh, attitude, shall we say. 
And uh, indeed, the legacy, well, it was the legacy of a totalitarian state, uh, of course, in, in both countries. Um, we are learning to live still in a multi-party democracy, mm -hmm. both, both of our countries. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't want to name any other country, and uh, I don't think it's relevant. Well, socialism wasn't, wasn't all that bad, of course. There was <laughs> free education, free healthcare, etc., etc. And uh, it was during socialism, socialism that uh, a lot of the economic might of Kazakhstan was built up. Absolutely. Um, but, of course, there were horrible uh, pages in that history as well. For example, Stalin's repressions and the purges and the um, uh, the famine in the 30s, which is uh, very, very dark pages of our history of very recent past. Okay, so I won't dwell on any more politics, so, no. that, so we, we don't have to, to navigate those choppy waters. Uh, but coming back to these agreements that you signed, and you mentioned the three pillars that are very important to, and a lot of shared knowledge, shared experience and, and co cooperation. You signed another agreement in December last year, another MOU uh, in the field of water resources, and that was signed between the Ministry of Ecology, Geology and Natural Resources of the Republic of Kazakhstan and the Ministry of Environment of the Slovak Republic. Could you shed a little bit of light on, on what that will involve? Yes, um, Slovakia has uh, really uh, some very good experience going for it in uh, water management and um, in particular, the state company Vodohospodarska Vistavba is one of the most uh, prominent ones, but there are others. And Kazakhstan, as are, as are others um, in Central Asia, uh, requires um, uh, experience in mm -hmm. jointly managing uh, common water resources. Uh, in Central Europe, it has to do with uh, Danube River and with the excellent cooperation that there exists between uh, all the countries that share this uh, major waterway. In Kazakhstan and in Central Asia generally, there are two uh, huge rivers, uh, long rivers, Sirdaria and Amudaria, which are shared by all five countries of Central Asia. Mm -hmm. And uh, the challenge is that the population in Central Asia right now stands at about 60 million people. But within about 15 years, it is projected to reach 90 million people. And those uh, rivers uh, feeding those countries, uh, they do not have enough water already now because of the melting of uh, glaciers in the mountains uh, to the south of Kazakhstan, mm -hmm. mountains uh, in Tajikistan or Kyrgyzstan. Uh, bordering Afghanistan uh, of all other places. So um, the glaciers melt, uh, the climate change is real for mm -hmm. us. We have uh, less and less water, but we will have more and more demand for it. And we need to uh, learn uh, and attract and use the best experience in managing water uh, prudently, in saving water, in using water only for in good with with in, in good with good in good levels and uh, generally make it so that uh, uh, the water does not become the basically oil of the 21st century yeah. but for for us it's a very real uh, prospect and i think that's very key and, and a very good point you mentioned that water is vast becoming the world's most sought commodity mm -hmm. um I've discussed with quite a few of the other ambassadors tourism and understand that during the pandemic there was a halt on the free visa travel uh, and understand that you spent time with the uh, Secretary of State here discussing that. I think that was as recently as July. 
Uh, is there any information that uh, has been uh, has developed saying that now the visa-free tourism between the two countries exists? Uh, not as yet. Uh, Kazakhstan indeed uh, suspended visa-free travel for all citizens of the EU countries when the pandemics hit. People do travel to Kazakhstan now, but it's a, on a case-by-case -case basis, uh -huh. uh, and the governmental commission of all of all things decides on who can come and who cannot come. Mostly, it's about it's to do with businesses. Okay. Um, so, if a company wants to come, they certainly will will be able to travel to Kazakhstan. But uh, regular tourists at the moment they cannot travel either way. But I, I am aware that uh, in Kazakhstan it is being now discussed. Uh, that we should reintroduce this visa-free travel for some members of the EU and for some other countries uh, of the in the international community that have done relatively well or well enough to stave off the um, the pandemics, okay. uh, to vaccinate their people. Where uh, pe we, we look at the levels of vaccination, we look at the levels of the average uh, new uh, cases being mm -hmm. uh, discovered uh, over a certain period of time to to see if uh, the situation uh, not is not that dangerous for us to reopen the the, the travel as it used to be. Uh, I can't wait for a time when people aren't analyzing metrics based on cases and and that we can turn on the radio in the morning and not listen to information about COVID nineteen and we can all travel freely. So we, we hope very much that that trade route and that and that tourism route between the two countries will be open soon. Coming back to Slovakia, uh, tourism is an area that we feel, and certainly the other ambassadors feel, uh, may be slightly underdeveloped. Uh, uh, are there areas of the country and, and areas of the sector that you think have really big potential for cooperation with Kazakhstan? Well, as I mentioned, um, uh, Slovakia has a lot of resorts, a lot of uh, really pristine mountain um, routes. So... Um, or the winter sports here uh, can be developed even further. So I think that uh, uh, it's not for me to really uh, tell the Slovaks how they can develop uh, their own uh, resources. What I think is uh, that we need to learn from what Slovakia has done already. As I said, we are basically on the same curve of, of development and uh, uh, but just speaking from the standpoint of a regular uh, traveler, mm -hmm. and I've managed to travel uh, to travel around Slovakia quite a bit. Uh, I would say that I enjoy uh, good roads. I enjoy good, uh, sometimes very simple but very good service uh, or food, um, and I enjoy those pristine walks that uh, I mentioned about. I, I hope very much that you and your uh, your counterparts in Kazakhstan work closely together to make sure that both countries benefit from that tourism. I think both countries are, are beautiful and have opportunities for, for, for tourism growth. Speaking of that and speaking of the sort of uh, spicing up the uh, appetite, as an embassy, we uh, launched earlier this year a book in Slovak, which mm -hmm. is called 101 101 uh, Zajitkov z Kazakhstanu, which means uh, 101 experiences of Kazakhstan. And it's available online, it's available in print, and it is indeed there to sort of make us all um, salivate <laughs> at, the, at the resumption of uh, burdensome travel. And we hope that it will stimulate the travel to Kazakhstan as well. Thank you very much. And, and I encourage everyone who listens to this to 
to download it or, yes. to, or to get a copy wherever, wherever possible. Moving a little bit to trade and economics, uh, the Belt Road Initiative has seen Kazakhstan create large-scale projects and re receive vast amounts of revenue from China as Central Asia's largest economy. How can Slovakia benefit from the Belt Road in Initiative? And, and could you tell us a little bit more about it? Well, um, first about Kazakhstan. Indeed, uh, Kazakhstan has built its own infrastructure to... Um, not lose out on this uh, Silk Road of the 21st century that has been recreated. So we have built 2,500 uh, kilometers of new railways mm -hmm. uh, over the years of independence to reconnect the east and the west of the country. And because of that, but also because of our membership in the Eurasian Economic Union and the cooperation between the railway companies in uh, Kazakhstan, Russia and Belarus, we were able to really uh, expand the uh, volumes of transportation between China and continental Europe um, many times over. Uh, to give you an idea, in 2011, mm -hmm. there were zero containers uh, traveling from China to uh, Europe or vice versa. Now there are about 400,000 containers wow. traveling annually. Um, so um, I think the, the best uh, way to benefit from the Belt and Road Initiative or from the revived uh, Silk Road is to really look at the uh, potential that your country has to offer as a transit route and to then build up the infrastructure that is needed to um, facilitate, facilitate that. I know that in Slovakia, not all of the uh, highways have been completed. Mm -hmm. There are many conversations about uh, the completion of uh, east-west uh, routes, uh, both in the north part uh, and in the south. So uh, road transportation is one thing, but also railway transportation is another thing. And the interesting thing about Slovakia is that it is, of course, um, uh, a country that uses the narrow gauge of the European standard, whereas in the former Soviet Union, um, we have used uh, the wide gauge for railways. But it is interesting that this wide gauge railway reaches all the way to Košice. And um, uh, that is a major, uh, I think, uh, a plus, which can be used further to attract uh, traffic uh, uh, across uh, Ukraine. Of course, uh, we will have to go into politics here again. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, the traffic via Ukraine from Russia is it has all but stopped in the last six, seven years, unfortunately, yes. for, for everybody. Yes, indeed. But uh, I would tell you that there is a project still being uh, very widely discussed in the specific circles, shall we say, about the extension of this wide gauge railway somewhere to uh, uh, near Bratislava or on the Austrian side. And I think it's an interesting project if this were to be uh, resolved and acted upon because in this in this uh, instant in this case it would mean that uh, uh, we will be able to uh, avoid the log jams which accumulate inevitably at the borders between for example Belarus and Poland where these uh, trains need to be reloaded from narrow gauge onto wide gauge and vice versa um, 
Slovakia and Austria and uh, other countries which will participate in this project will greatly benefit it will uh, ever take if it will ever take shape uh, and they've committed in principle or it's still at the ideation stage um, because I, I I remember once that the hyperloop was being floated around in Austria and Slovakia the, the what the hyperloop which is the ah, yes. alternate uh, uh, travel system well um I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly at this stage. I know that uh, there is even a consortium being established uh, between Austria, Slovakia, maybe even Ukraine and Russia wow. uh, to, to, to work on this. Uh, the principal uh, moment is where it ends. Mm-hmm. Because uh, there you basically handle the, all the cargo and you you get the most out of the, your uh, sort of uh, transit location as opposed to simply being the the transit route where the, the trains pass and they simply pay some transit fees so it's a, it's an interesting project very interesting project because then you get into the heart of central europe and you can distribute goods much uh, faster and more efficiently and you as i said you don't lose time or money or effort to share uh, to de- re- rearrange repackage these uh, goods at the border between uh, the east so to speak and the european union and, and it's interesting that connectivity seems to be a theme that we're, we're discussing here today and, and the council of slovak exporters are we're all about export and we believe in the value of export and historically the silk road and the danube uh, some of the most important trade routes in in in, in recent history or even even in years gone by. Indeed. Uh, what industries would you say since you've been here? And obviously we see that most people recognize Kazakhstan's vast uranium reserves and its robust energy sector. In terms of Slovak export to Kazakhstan, the trend leads towards machinery equipment, building materials, herbicides, medicines, foodstuff, wood, printing products, textile, furniture, and so forth. What industries have you seen since you've been here that has real appeal to Kazakh investment? Um, the defense industry, uh, the mach- machine building industry, the engineering industry, and the IT. Uh, so these are industries uh, that appeal to Kazakh business people for joint um, uh, projects. It's uh, At the moment, it's not a case of Kazakh investment in Slovakia. It's mostly a case of uh, establishing joint ventures either here or uh, primarily in Kazakhstan, which is one of the things uh, our government is interested, of course. And this is another uh, similarity between Kazakhstan and Slovakia in that both of our countries are seeking to attract investment more so than we seek to invest abroad. Uh, Both economies are open. Both economies uh, have created conditions for, for this investment in various industries but um, when we talk about slovaks uh, about uh, slovak companies it's uh, uh, it's always first about uh, selling something but then it uh, we turn the conversation into jointly producing something either here or in kazakhstan it's the friendship model yes and mutually beneficial cooperation I didn't want to talk about FDI, but now you've uh, now you've brought it up, so I'm interested. Is that would you would you say? I mean, people outside might not think that both Slovakia and and Kazakhstan are FDI friendly. Well, uh, we have done 
uh, and we continue to do everything we can to uh, to be FDI friendly. Kazakhstan has attracted, and let and, and I will let the numbers speak. Kazakhstan has attracted three hundred and thirty billion dollars in foreign direct investment since independence. Of course, the lion's share of that went into oil and gas mm -hmm. and metals industry, and we are now uh, working really hard to. Uh, move beyond those very luc lucrative er um, spheres of business into IT, into uh, processing, into chemical industry, into finance and banking. Kazakhstan, for example, has established the uh, Astana International Financial Center modeled on the model of Dubai International Financial Center. DIFC. DIFC. Ours is called AIFC. We even changed the constitution uh, so that uh, we can allow the British law to uh, rule uh, the, the land, so to speak, in this particular square mile, shall we say. And uh, already it has its own stock exchange. It has attracted uh, uh, dozens and dozens of companies to, who established a business there. So we want to, uh, to benefit from this location in the heart of Eurasia to be a financial hub as well. Mm -hmm. The closest financial centers like these are in Dubai or in Shanghai or in Hong Kong or in Frankfurt. So um, the ambitions are, are there. We just need to work on implementing them. Uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And if, if anyone, I've bored people senseless about the value of economic free zones. I see them as the future. Um, and I think more more nations in Europe and I know even the UK are looking at, at some form uh, investment free zones there you, people can go invest and start up mm -hmm. part of their regeneration plan so i think you're you're absolutely right i think this autonomous regulatory bodies are the way f of the future i have a couple of questions left so don't worry uh, sure. i shan't take you too much longer I, I obviously on a very important date for kazakhstan was uh, uh february 26th uh, uh of of this year 2021 is amid all this magnus you signed a cooperation with the council of slovak exporters now obviously you you're you're very well well aware of our chairman lukas parizek and the work that we do here how would you like to see this and cooperations like this and other chambers develop to help both countries really push this economic agenda mm -hmm. well um i would start with the exchange of information with creating perhaps some uh, platform where business people from both countries can more easily find uh, opportunities for trade, more easily find buyers or more easily find partners uh, for establishing uh, joint ventures. I'm really looking forward to uh, helping organize the, the meetings in the future between Mr. Parizek and uh, the chairman of Kazakh, uh, Kaz Trade, as it is called in the not-too-distant future. And uh, I think that uh, it is up to them, of course, to chart the, the way forward. But uh, the demand is, uh, is there. Um, in Kazakhstan, for example, we are developing the uh, internet trade very, very intensively. I think the exchange of experience with, uh, with Slovakia will also benefit in that area. I see that 35 companies have already registered in Slovakia, uh, in Kazakhstan, and that's growing. And we hope that we wish to help that number grow. But we could be cynical at times and say diplomats and, and organizations, even like ours, like to throw platitudes around and sign agreements and nothing really materializes. Mm -hmm. How do we work together to make sure r things really happen? Our members are our exporters and they're they're always conscious of... Lucas, you do great things, but we need to see results right. the other end. 
Um, I, I will share my experience and I've met maybe several dozen companies while I'm here. And in fact, business uh, and so-called economic diplomacy is my number one priority while I'm here. Um, and um, only a few have really progressed in their cooperation with Kazakhstan. And hopefully within a few uh, weeks, we will announce those uh, projects, uh, major projects. But those are the projects which you really nurture. You think of them, you work on them. Uh, day and night. Uh, I am in close contact with uh, the parties on both sides. Mm -hmm. We are talking about the uh, joint production of tractors, and we're talking about a, um, uh, a PPP project to um, refurbish a major stadium, hockey stadium in, in Kazakhstan, and we're talking about a project to jointly uh, process um, uh, waste. Interesting. Uh, in Kazakhstan. So, but it is... Um, Can you give us any figures, any any numbers in well, the billions? The, 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 no, not the billions. Uh, several dozen million is the largest. Uh, it has to do with this um, uh, hockey stadium. Mm -hmm. uh, but the others are in, in single-digit millions, but still it's a very sizable uh, project. Because, um, uh, again, you have to uh, really accompany those projects from day one to the, the signing and even after the signing of the agreement and after the actual groundbreaking ceremony, etc. Because only this way uh, anything can, can, can do, especially in this uh, uh, pandemic's era when uh, sure. the travel is limited and Absolutely. the people have to build trust over um, Skype or Zoom. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I've got one last question for you, and 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 thank you for uh, for for spending this time with us. I'll I'll, I'll thank you officially, but first, uh, I noticed during your uh, your your, your actually two last questions. I'll be cheeky. Sure. Sure. Uh, first is that you spent some time in London in the nineties, nineteen ninety six to ninety nine, if memory serves me right. How yes. much did you love the world's greater city? <laughs> um, for a diplomat, uh, the first foreign assignment is like a first love. So you you put your finger on the spot there. Well, it is a city where uh, I established my family, where two of our three children were born at St. Thomas's Hospital. Wow. And of course, we were younger then. It was 25 years ago. <laughs> and uh, naturally, we've, we've loved the, all the things that uh, London at that time can, can offer. And um, as a football fan, I was, of course... Uh, uh, I couldn't be happier uh, with uh, watching the Premiership uh, every Saturday. Or Chelsea fan? Uh, no, Manchester United. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but uh, Euro Euro '96 was there when I was there, so it was an interesting time when we were just establishing our diplomatic service, uh, our embassies abroad. Because at that point, it was our first embassy in London. That's great. And mm -hmm. and finally, you mentioned to me last night, probably in confidence, that you've done over 100 interviews. What's been the worst one and why? <laughs> oh, I don't remember the worst one, frankly. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not being cheeky, as yeah. I say here. Um, I, I've done a, quite a few challenging ones, of course. Um, I think the most interesting ones, though, are the ones with uh, um, those people who either know a lot about Kazakhstan and uh, they really ask very detailed questions or uh, with the people who come from uh, countries like Brazil or uh, Argentina or 
Indonesia, which really know little about Kazakhstan, and then you have you enjoy yourself when you talk to these people and you show uh, them your country. Well, hopefully, I fall somewhere in the middle of that no, category. No, at the top, certainly. Oh, oh thank you very much. And uh, unless you have anything to add, um, a message for Kazakh Slovak business, sure. for Kazakh Slovak relations. Well, my message would be that. Um, uh, our embassy here in Bratislava and the Slovak embassy in Nur Sultan are open to help any companies that want to, to do business uh, with uh, between our countries uh, 24-7. We are on social media, We all contact details are available there. Um, and I'm sure that uh, those, those companies with, which, with whom we worked already would attest to that, that we... Uh, when we do things, we leave no stone unturned and uh, we try to do our best to for them to have the best experience. So we, we're there. Kazakhstan is open and the embassy is available for all requests. And, and I see that your time in the United Kingdom has served you well with your expressions. No stone unturned is very indigenous. So with that, unless uh, you have anything else to add, I would like to thank His Excellency Roman Vasilenko. Ambassador Extraordinary and Plenipotentiary of the Republic of Kazakhstan to the Slovak Republic for participating in our ongoing series of Export Air podcasts, whereby we ask the big questions of the most important people. Thank you again, Mr. Ambassador. Thank you very much, sir, and good luck with, with uh, your podcasts and with your work as the Council of, of Slovak Exporters generally. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Export Air International is brought to you exclusively by the Council of Slovak Exporters. Thank you.